gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. It's great we can be together. And in just a moment, I'm going to find out because remember, I'll let Kev tell me here in just a minute. I had him go ahead and count. This was our mission Sunday. So I just want to make sure you know every penny that was given today, none of it's going to pay light bills. None of it's going to play cleaning supplies. It's not for us to use here locally. All that is going to be mission oriented and going out to help the gospel uh, and the word of God to spread among the world. And so let me also let you know. So if you think you're going to have more coming in, because that's going to support our mission work for 2023, Lord willing. And also those that weren't with us today, uh, they can still contribute to that. So this is probably not going to be in a final tally, but I'm going to have Caleb tell us what that number was today. dollars and uh, eight cents. So that, oh, 4208, uh, 4,208 bucks. So that is uh, great. Uh, that takes everybody giving their part. And, you know, you get to looking at that and we think about how important it is to do God's will and spread that message across the world. Uh, while we're talking about spreading the message, do also remember that next Sunday, is our gospel meeting, and uh, Ray Solens, I saw him this last week a couple of times, uh, so I about had my fill of him. No, not really, so uh, it will be uh, good to uh, have Ray with us and for him to be here and be able to uh, preach that message, so do encourage, be here yourself and encourage him. It'll be uh, our meeting times on Sunday, then Monday evening, Tuesday evening, and Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. But when I think about giving, I think about mission work, a lot of things come to my mind. So we're going to go in just a moment to the passage that Dennis read for us. And I could back up and go further, and I probably will at, me, at least mention the point of the writer of the book who's inspired the Holy Spirit says he's learned to be content with much and learned to be content with a little. So it's not just about hoarding up things to himself, but spreading the gospel and for those people to be able to benefit to their account before God and having fellowship as Ben read, and I'll get to that verse later on in 2 Corinthians, those verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, because when we help support those people, we're in fellowship with that work and God, so we're preaching the gospel places we might have never been, might never be physically. But I, I put together some things that I thought was interesting, just so you know, in the New Testament, there are about 90 verses in the New Testament that either that mention something or works to the point of baptism. And there's approximately 110 verses in the New Testament that say something about love. And there's 214 verses in the New Testament that say something about faith. Listen to this. There's 700 plus on the subject of wealth or money. So wealth and money is spoken way more than in the New Testament than about faith, love, or baptism. You wouldn't have thought that, would you? I also thought it was interesting, if you take all the recorded words of Jesus, 15% of what's recorded in the New Testament that Jesus said is about money or wealth. 
So you can't kind of leave your wallet out of Christianity, can you? So if I preached, considering I preach two times a week, if I preach 15% of my, that means I got to work up eight sermons on wealth or money every year. So I don't do that. But I think that there's a reason that's mentioned in there. Um, so I'm not going to spend all my time on that, but we are very blessed here. Uh, you know, I, I think about congregations that are more than twice the size we are that don't have the weekly contribution that we have. And you know, when you get to thinking about that, and you just run the numbers real quick, our giving today was almost half, almost twice of what our regular contribution is. So just in round numbers, uh, that's about 20% of our giving towards missions. Uh, like I said, some people might have let that slip, or we've got people that aren't here today that I'm sure will still give towards that. And if you just have a big windfall of income come in, we'll still take it towards that direction at any time. And if you want to give towards that and weren't able to do that today, I will at least mention this. You can write out a check. You can hand it to Dennis. You can hand it to Caleb because they take care of the banking side of things. Or you can put it in the plate and you can uh, write down at the bottom and hopefully Caleb, when he looks through it, catches it and write missions. And then we'll know that's where you want that to go. Um, but I think about all kinds of things here. Paul, I don't know in the whole New Testament that if you can get anyone that is more a mission or missionary than he was. He is the man of the New Testament on spreading the gospel to places it's never been. And he was willing to mend tents with his own, own hand to see that supported. And he'll even talk about some congregations that did a pitiful job of giving, and he'll even say, I had to rob from other congregations to preach the gospel there. Uh, but he'll talk about the great thing. You even look at the church here in Philippi. He said, even when I was in Thessalonica, preaching the gospel in Thessalonica, you brethren in Philippi supported me to do that work. You financially supported me to do that work. What a great thing that is. Uh, so I want us to look at a few things. Turn back in Philippians to chapter 1. i got several things I want to say here. Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to pick up uh, in Philippians 1 at verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So they were gung-ho to get the gospel spread, and they were gung-ho to encourage and strengthen Paul. But we also know by the time we get to chapter 4, he's saying they always also dug in their pockets so that he had more time to preach the gospel. That's it. From the very first day they obeyed the gospel until days, weeks, months, and years later, from the very beginning. So we think about that. Also think about attitudes in giving. Of course, there's many things we can look at, and we will look at several of them. But jump with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15. I'm just going to hit uh, maybe three verses here real quick in Romans 15. If you pick up at verse five, 25, it says, But now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints. So he's not going to Jerusalem because there's a better tent market there. Okay? 
He's going to Jerusalem to serve the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So we got brethren supporting other works, other brethren, other works in other places. And he says, yes, they are well pleased to do so, without even having to read on. They were, they were happy to do it. They were glad to be able to do it. They were thankful to be able to be blessed by God, to have the capability to help others who needed that help. God blesses us so we can share with others, right? What a great thing. I always think about that. Some people, every week, they wish you didn't pass the plate. Because, you know, as long as it's in my pocket, it's mine. There's some others who says, man, I can hardly wait because that's also an aspect of worship. You do understand in the Bible there are five acts, I'll use that word, five acts of worship. We got singing, we got praying, we got the Lord's Supper, we got preaching or teaching, and we've got giving. Do you know that if you don't partake of the Lord's Supper, but you do everything else, you did not worship according to God's plan. Do you know if you do all, you partake the Lord's Supper, you pray, you sing, you hear the preaching, but you don't put anything in that plate? You did not worship a God according to God's plan. And you got to be happy about giving it. You know, they were happy, they were ready to give those things. Now, I'm going to take, we're going to run through a bunch of passages today just because I don't want you to say, well, that's Kendall's view. Well, it's really not my view. I'm just going to give you God's view on the thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 7, 8, and 9. Let's read those verses together. 2 Corinthians 11, 7, 8, and 9. Um, he says, Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preach the gospel of God without charge? In other words, that's kind of peculiar. I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. You know, I'm good with it. I'm thankful to be a part of mission work. But sometimes I've watched congregations who are struggling along send mission money to congregations three times their size that are given nearly nothing, and they're robbing from those other congregations who are doing that. Well, if they rob from me, then they'll have to answer for that. But he pretty much is landing on the line to the church in Corinth, didn't he? He says, I tell you what, you guys need to suck it up and pay your way. But there were other brethren who were willing to pay their way till they got things right. Now, Ben, before we gave, read a passage from 2 Corinthians 8, and I'm going to get to it. But before we get to 2 Corinthians 8, go to 2 Corinthians 9. We're going to read a few verses. Then we're going to go to some verses in 2 Corinthians 8, then back to 2 Corinthians 9. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, I'm going to read a few verses starting at verse 11. Of 2 Corinthians 9, and uh, probably at least go through uh, 14. Oh, let, let me change that. Instead of going there, go down to uh, verses 6 and 7. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart. So did I show up today and look at my wallet and figure out what I'm going to give just by what's in my wallet didn't think about it ahead of time? Purposed means you made plans, right? 
So you thought about it, you prayed about it, you did things. Even in the first century, sometimes so they could give, they went and sold of their own things, their own property, so that they could help and support the brethren. Well, that takes a plan. So this isn't, well, we're going to show up and worship by the seat of our pants. No, they're going to give as they've purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, you give, drop that money or I'll break your arm. No, not grudgingly or under compulsion. And here it is, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know, can you tell when people are cheerful about things? Do they usually look like this? No, they're, cheerful. they're glad to do it. You know, they're smiling. They're glad to do it. They're excited to do it. Wow. That is exciting. We want to be a part of what God would have us to do. Now jump back to chapter 8, and then I'm going to go all the way back to 1 Corinthians. That's where I wanted to start, but we'll go back to it in a little while. I said 2 Corinthians. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 9 here in a minute. But going back to 2 Corinthians 8, just here in the middle of it, I'm not going to take the whole time because there's a lot here, but in verse 3 says, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. So they give more than they thought anybody would have thought was able. They gave more than anybody would ever think they were able to give. And he says, um, begging us with much urging for the favor to participate in the support of this. Please take this money. Please let us be a part of that work. We want to do that, begging them. And this, not as they had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Wow. So is it saying that I'm going to, if I'm all in to serving the Lord, my money and valuables are going to go with it? And if I'm really not, you're going to have a hard time getting me to give much? I'm not putting that in there, man. Let someone else pay the bill. Reminds me of a little boy once, and I could even tell you their name, but it wouldn't make no difference to you, but... One day they were passing a collection plate and the mom had given the little boy a dollar to give and pass a plate and she's trying to get him to give the dollar and he didn't want to give, look at this dollar, I want to keep this dollar. And finally she talks him into giving that dollar and tells him, you know, you don't understand the church needs this money so that they can go about preaching the gospel and teaching Bible classes and us being able to worship here and be here. The church needs this money, so he gives of it. Next week, she gives him another dollar, and they pass the plate. He says, you mean they're broke again? <laughs> so, uh, well, that's not the way we're to look at it, is it? But that's sometimes how people think. You know, it's like, man, that's just taking it from me. Um, I like the person who said, and more than one person has said this, you can't outgive God. And I have never met a person that starved to death for giving money to the Lord. And I've never met a person who's lost their house because they gave to the Lord. I've never met any person whose life isn't better because they've sacrificed financially to the Lord. Now, I don't give to him. See, now you've got to give it back, Lord. That's all the wrong reason. Matter of fact, if he never gave me another thing, he's given me so much more than I ever deserved to this point in my life, he'd still be ahead if I lived another 30 years and he never gave me a thing. 
we've got to remember who he is. So jump back where I wanted to start with, and I said 2 Corinthians instead of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Let's pick up at verse 11. He says, If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it not much if we reap material things from you? What's he saying? If I taught you the gospel, if I preach you the gospel, if I tell you how to become a Christian, I tell you how to remain faithful, and I give you God's word, he says, don't I have the right to expect you to financially support me? Isn't that what he's saying? If others share the right over you, do not we, not more. Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endured all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Since you're a bunch of tightwads, is what he's saying, I foot the bill myself and preach to you anyway. They ought to have a slap in the face after that verse. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services... Definitely in the Old Covenant. Eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar. Now I want you to think about that. So when the priests and the Levites took care of the temple under the Old Covenant, did they get to eat food from those sacrifices? Let me ask you this. We had 12 tribes. 11 of them received uh, land promises. And under the Old Covenant, they were all to tithe. And all of those 11 were to see that the tribe of Levi, who was the tribe of the priests who didn't have land promises, that they received 10% from each of the tribes. If you think about that, that makes them financially the wealthiest. Because if you get 10% from 11, you got 110% of what anybody else has got. And so you look at that. I don't make up the rules, but that's what Paul goes back and points out to them. And then he says this. So as the Lord directed those who directed them, just Paul, it works if it's just Paul because he's inspired. But as the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel, that's the guys who are going and taking the gospel to foreign countries and, and teaching people to preach the gospel and, and preaching the gospel. And those who proclaim the gospel, this is what he directed them, get their living from the gospel. Wow. So, you know, if we send a guy, I don't know, let's just pick some place. Um, I don't care where. Uh, to the country of Brazil to preach the gospel. And we give him 20 bucks a month. He's going to have to get a job then, isn't he? If he goes down to 20 bucks a month, he's going to have to work full time to support himself and his family. So is that going to restrict how much he's able to proclaim the gospel? He says, you're going to send him, support him. That becomes so important. You know, when we give, it's always been amazing in places I've been when we've set up situations like this with Mission Sunday, you always see how people are willing to support that. Not that they're not willing to support all the Lord's work, but when you know that's all what it's going into, I still think about Mark's where to go into all the world. You've been to all the world? I've traveled a lot and I haven't been to all the world. I've never even been to South America yet. I've been to Africa, been to... Um, over there in Germany and Switzerland and Innsbruck, Austria, all that area. Been over in those areas. Been to Canada, been to Mexico, even been a little bit in the United States. 
been to all 50 states. God's given me the capability to see a lot of things. And I've got to preach in a lot of those areas. But, you know, I've preached in the gospel where I've never been. Now, sometimes I'm able to do that by recording. I won't even get into that. But I've done it because I've helped support other people who preached in those places. And it's just like I was part of that work. That's the whole point of Philippians chapter 4. You helped support that work. You were part of that. And we have to remember that, and we have to be. So that verse 14 becomes important uh, because I hear people say, well, you know, now the only reason they preach, they're just in it for the money. Is that right? You know, I know a lot of preachers. Let me just tell you a quick story. I'm going to tell you a story about one. You guys, and, and he would probably wouldn't like me telling this story, but he's had a lot of other people tell the story. You guys ever heard of this guy named Corey Orr? Now, Corey, before he went to preaching school, um, he was a manager at Lowe's and about to get his own store. And so even back then, his annual income, he'd have been in six figures for sure. So he walked away from that, and I know he makes way less than that now. So he got into it. They didn't pay him to preach, but he got into it for the money. He walked away from the money, and he'll tell you, I walked away from the money, Kendall, because if I kept doing what I was doing there, not that you can't work there, but I was letting that get between me and God and what I needed to do. And he'll even talk about Gavin when he was a little boy. And, you know, he was going to work instead of to worship, and you can go to hell over that stuff. He had to get his head on straight. So I had to walk away from making the money, and I have to serve the Lord. I can give you example after example after example after example. And Paul's point was, no, nope, you need to be supporting this. As a matter of fact, turn back to 2 Corinthians 9. I told you we'd go back to it. Uh, verses 8 through 11. Listen to this. Here it is. And God is, this underlined in my Bible, God is able. Now, before I even read this passage, he's able to what? Do whatever he needs to do. He's able. He's able to make Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fireproof. He's able to make uh, Daniel teeth-proof. He's able to take people and have a few people with some pitchers and uh, some lamps knock down a whole wall around the city of Jericho. God is able. Is God still able today to do whatever he needs to do and whatever he said he would do? Oh, yeah. So here it is. When we're talking about this idea of giving, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. God's able to supply whatever we need to be able to accomplish his will. Every part of his will. It is written. He scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Are we talking about if we give financially, he's going to be able to help us to be able to grow and teach people the gospel and people be able to obey the gospel? That's exactly what he's saying. And then as you look on in this verse down in this passage down to verse 11, you will be enriched in everything. I like this for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. 
I remember years ago, people don't ask me much this much anymore. I guess they know me, but uh, I had a person once met a person. Well, Kendall, let me ask you a question. Okay, what is, are you liberal or are you conservative? And I looked at him and I said, yes. What do you mean by that? Well, I think the Bible teaches me I'm to be conservative in my lifestyle. But I think the Bible teaches me I'm to be liberal in my giving. So if I was conservative in my giving and liberal in my lifestyle, I'm on a fast track to the wrong place. So I said, you would have to clarify what you mean. Did I know what they meant? Yes. But I also know their question didn't ask what they meant. Well, then they just decided, I don't need to ask you anything. But anyway, uh, but you look at that. We need to be as liberal as anybody can be in our giving. And you know who supplies that? You know every dollar I have. You know where it comes from? Tammy. She gave it to me. No. No, it didn't come from Tammy. Since I work for the brethren, work with the brethren here and preaching the gospel, work for the Lord and do His work, all of it comes from you, right? Not really. Because I know where you got it. You got the same place I got it. I don't care what you do. You say you do it for a living. I don't care where your income comes. If you think that's about what your life's about, you need to change. That's just a way that God has blessed you to be able to come up with funds to see we can be a participate in part of His work. That's why we're able to, well, if you did like me, you wrote a check today, or you can put a cash in there, whatever it is. We do that with all liberality. We give more than people say, you give how much? You know, you think about it, even when we purchased this building, the bank was a little overwhelmed with the amount of people. You're going to purchase, how are you going to make these payments? Well, so, you know, the men had to personally guarantee that. Now, I bet if we go back to them now, because we never miss, missed a payment, now we can give them history of what's given, they'd be willing to loan us a whole lot more money than they've loaned us. I really just do not borrow anymore from who didn't have to. But, you know, you look at that, they're just, they're amazed that people would give like that. They're amazed at that. What's well, because we understand where it came from. We you know, right before we eat, Lord willing, here in a little while, we're going to pray and we're going to thank the Lord for the food. But everyone, I saw you people bring the food in. And all you cooked the food, what are we thanking the Lord for? Well, because you wouldn't have any of it and you wouldn't have any ability and you wouldn't have any capability to cook it or anything else. You take the Lord out of the picture. It's kind of like Ben's class, you know, everything in, in the whole Bible. But when you get in the first part of it, he's just trying to get understood, you take God out of the picture and there's nothing. There's nothing. And so we have to remember that. We've got to remember. He said He's able. He's able to give these things to us to make sure that happens. So He mentions a lot of things like in uh, Matthew 6 and verse 24. One of, matter of fact, turn over there. Instead of me just rattling off, I want you to see it. So I'll, take, I'll slow down. Matthew 6 and verse 24. You guys are going to probably know the passage as well as I do. But he says something here. No one. Who's that include? Everyone. No one. When it says no one, that includes everyone. That includes you and me. So we're part of the no one. Here it is. No one can serve two masters. So let's understand something. When it comes to serving a master, there's no multitasking. Did you hear me? People say, I'm a multitasker. You know what? Every time someone says they're a multitasker, that means they do everything halfway. 
Because how much would you like it is if someone's doing open heart surgery on you and all of a sudden he gets text? Hey, hold on a minute. I got to take this text. No, I need you all into this. So you think and look and see this. No one can serve two masters. Okay, what's he talking about? For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one. What is he talking about? Here it is. You cannot serve God. I'm going to use my numeric standard because I like it better, because old King James, the word we don't understand as well. You cannot serve God and wealth. Well, if I worked on Sunday, I could make this much more money. So I'm going to stay away from worshiping the Lord to make money. Now, it could be you have some occupation that you get called in on and it's an emergency and all. I understand those things. I still think about Bertha Keeler telling me at a young age, Kendall, pick a job that you don't have to miss worshiping God. I'm going to put... Well, Matthew 6.33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God, the church, and I'm put the church first every time. You know, those people at Bolivar, they were a little concerned about me. First of all, they, I didn't know anybody at Bolivar. It just, through Corey, it come, and so I trust Corey, and they trust Corey, so I went there. But when I told them, I'm just driving over Sunday, that kind of scared them. So they kept asking, you know, do you know when he's going to get here? He said he'd be here. They don't know how Kendall Fox works, but I was in town plenty of time early. I drove by, saw a church building, went down to buy Walmart and got some stuff at Walmart. You know, I had plenty of time. Um, so it's kind of frightening to him, though. Is he coming? Is he showing up or isn't he showing up? Well, then, let me tell you what. I'll get up early now. I'll be there. Now, I'm an early riser, so I didn't miss any sleep from normal because I'm out of bed I have to get up and wake the chickens up a couple hours after I saw the, ch- the chickens. No, I don't get up with the chickens. I'm way ahead of chickens. But no, you look at that and people can see that. But I, man, I'm chomping it to bit. I can hardly wait. People always say, man, you get everywhere early. I, when we're talking about worship and Bible class, I can't hardly wait to get there. Of course, I'm always person. I want to be there. On, I want to be there. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to be there. But we think about it. So we're going to seek him first and we're not going to, you can't serve them both. If you think you can serve riches in God, you're in trouble. You will, and you do, put one of them first. Wow. Let's see. I got some others we can read, but I'm not going to take all that time. So let's just go to a few here. Go to Romans. We'll kind of point a little different direction here, but it'll get the same point. Especially since our giving today was about... Spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, doing mission work. Listen to these words. I am under obligation. What's that mean? I'm under obligation. That means it's something that I realize that it's not something I might do or might not do. It's a half-to situation. I'm under obligation, here he says, both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel. So is he under obligation to preach the gospel? So let me tell you what. From the time I was a boy, I learned it by this phrase, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. We're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is that right from verse 18? 
So I can do that by going personally. I can do that by helping support someone. I got to do it all. By helping support someone, that's also a way to do it? Yes. I'm under obligation. I think some people don't feel so obligated. Look at that one more passage on that point, and this lesson will be yours. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll go back to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, a little later than we read earlier, but go to verse 16. Right after he said in verse 14, so the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Look what he says in verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. I love to preach. I love to preach. Just tell you a quick story on that. This is, and I guess people get to know you. So since I knew Bolivar's services were quick and early, and then we had lunch, we'd be out early. I had text Corey. I don't know. I think when I stopped somewhere along the way, going over there to stop to get a drink or something, I text Corey. I said, because I knew he'd be up. I said, do you at Bonnie still worship at six? He says, yes. Well, if they don't have anything special for me to do at Bolivar, I'll be there at six to your worship. Oh, no. Now we got that bonus time thing he's talking about. Okay. <laughs> but so it got to be in Make a long story short, I can tell you the whole story sometime, but I don't have time to do it now. So about 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon, um, Corey calls me. Says, you still planning on being there at 6? Yes. Well, you're preaching. I said, well, what if I said I wouldn't? I he said, some people wouldn't because they think they're there. No, that's not there. No, man, I'm ready to preach. I'm under obligation to preach. You give me the opportunity, I'm ready. To, let's go. Let's go. Did I have a lesson planned to preach it? No, but I'll put something together because I didn't want someone from Bolivar maybe going over there and visiting. Saying, well, we heard that today. So I'm going to put something distant together. So we preach to them. And I love the brethren of Bonnie. I've known them a long time. So, so it was great to be there. But you look at this passage of Scripture. He says, for if I preach, I have nothing... That's, that's a, uh, who wouldn't if you're a preacher who wouldn't want to do that for I am under compulsion for woe to me if I do not preach the gospel was Paul going to preach whether they financially support him or not now if you know Kendall and you don't have to believe this but whether you're going to financially support me or not I'm going to preach gospel somewhere somehow every time I can. Now, is it nice when brethren sacrificially give to support you so you can do that? Full? Yes, it is. But I'm, I, you know, it's kind of like I tell people, and I've had people scold me for this statement, but I'm going to make it because it's as true as it can be. Preaching is not what I do. Preaching is who I am. And that's what Paul's saying here. We have to understand that. Now, we want to, when we support missionaries, we want that to be who they are. When I talk to young preachers, just like over at Chapel the other day at um, Missouri Bible Institute, you know, I try to get that, cross a point, uh, that point across to them. So you read on, just a few verses. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward, that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so, that, so as not to make full use, Americans know this, of my right in the gospel. 
so let me say this. So that contribution that we gave today is about supporting men to preach the gospel. And it's right to support them. That's the right thing to do. And so I appreciate you so much doing that today. And the amount given shows your sacrificial attitude. And I think about that because I think about uh, what Ben read for us. And I went over there just a little bit in 2 Corinthians 8. Here's what the deal is. But you first gave yourself. If you're here today and you've not obeyed the gospel, it's time to give yourself. It's time to confess faith in Jesus, to repent, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're a Christian and you haven't given yourself yet, so sometimes you're here, sometimes you're not. If you give yourself, you'll be here every time you're physically able. But if you haven't, it kind of becomes just a work and a job and kind of just gets tough to be able to do it. But if you're all in, man, it can't keep you away. And if we're all in, we find time to open this book up every day, don't we? And read on. And we look for opportunities to share the gospel. And we walk out, we grab some of these flyers to the gospel meeting because we want to invite other people. And we make sure we grab a bulletin. I don't have one in here yet. But we grab a bulletin. I'll have one before I leave today. But we have a bulletin so we know what's going on and we know who some of the brethren have need. Why? Because we're all in. We give ourselves. If you're here today and you need to correct anything with your relationship with God... If we can assist you as your brethren, please come as we stand and sing.